Lord, your love has broken every barrier between us and you down. And you take us just as we are. And you invite us to be part of your family forever. Lord, we're grateful for that. Lord, help us to understand your word to us in the Bible. Help us to apply its truth to our lives so that it will change us. We pray this in your name. Amen. <clears throat> I want to say hello to those of you sitting in the narthex. It's good to have you here. Also, just to let you know, if you're visiting with us, we have three other services that are less crowded than this one. Uh, 6 p.m. and then in the morning, 9 o'clock and 9.45 if you're new with us. Several months ago, I told you about a time when I embarrassed myself when I was at Stanford in front of Condoleezza Rice, who was then the provost of Stanford, now about to become Secretary of State. Unfortunately for me, that was not the only time that I embarrassed myself in front of Dr. Rice. There was another time, some of you have heard me tell this story in another place, another time when she had invited me to be part of a committee that she was on. And I felt very honored to be on a committee with Condoleezza Rice. She went to the church that I worked at, and we all knew that someday she was going to be Secretary of State. <laughs> Serious, we did. We always said she's going to be Secretary of State. And I wanted to make a good impression on her, right, in case I wanted to make a career change down the road or something. <laughs> so the first day of the committee, I dressed up and I went to the meeting and spoke with incredible dignity and stunning intelligence. I was fabulous. <laughs> and I left secure in the knowledge that I had just gained for myself some kind of position in a future White House administration. But as I left, I passed a mirror and I noticed that I had a swatch of toothpaste that extended from this end of my shirt to the other. <laughs> sort of like a banner in a Miss America contest. Uh-huh. So I figured that's why I wasn't invited to the inauguration this week. Just as an aside, I, I have a good friend who does actually work in the White House. And a while back, he asked Dr. Rice if she remembered me. And apparently, her reply was, Scott Dudley? Well, yes, of course I do. Whatever that means. <laughs> the guy with the toothpaste on his shirt and who can't dress for baccalaureate. Of course I remember him. I felt like a complete outsider on that committee. Like I just didn't belong. I mean, they were sophisticated, internationally known people, and I had toothpaste on my shirt. But I think all of us in one way or another feel that way from time to time, that there's a group of people and they're the in people and we're just left on the outside. Those people over there have the money. I don't. Those people have great jobs. I, I don't. They seem to all know everybody. I don't know anybody. Basically, we never get out of junior high, right, where there's the in crowd, the cool crowd, and then there's everybody else and not much room in between. And this happens even in the church. I mean, you just go to any church after the service and you'll see people kind of grouping up together. You know, the older people over here and the younger people over there. People who know each other from the golf course kind of all kind of clump up together. Uh, the group of people who are super involved in the church and seem to know everybody and those who don't seem to know anybody at all just kind of slink out the door at the end. Now, some of, it's not all bad. Some of that is good. We, we need to be making close friendships with each other. And that happens easiest when we have shared affinities and, sh and shared interests. But if those groups begin to create a sense that there's an in-group and an out-group, insiders and outsiders, well, then we miss out on the fullness of the Christian life. And that's not what Jesus wants for us. We're talking this winter about 
what it means to be a citizen in God's kingdom as opposed to a citizen in the kingdom of the world. Because the kingdom Jesus brings is an upside-down kingdom that reverses all the values of this world. And one of the things that means is that in Jesus' kingdom, there are meant to be no outsiders. Everybody is an insider. And that's what's going on in this story of Jesus and the woman at the well. This woman is the ultimate outsider. According to the customs of his day, Jesus should not be anywhere near this woman. For one thing, she's a Samaritan, and Jews hated Samaritans. Samaritans were considered heretics and traitors and racially impure, so it's bad enough that she's a Samaritan. Worse yet, she's a woman. In a culture where a Jewish man would frequently pray, thank you, God, that you did not make me a Gentile, a dog, or a woman. But worse even still, she is this particular Samaritan woman. She's had five husbands and now she's living with some guy. Jewish law allowed for only a maximum of three husbands. She's two over her limit and she's fishing without a license. <laughs> That's why she comes to the well alone. Some of you like that, doesn't it? Come to the well alone at noon. When usually women would go to the well in the morning in groups. She is an outcast. But Jesus reaches beyond all of those barriers, barriers of race and religion and social cliques, even of moral behavior, to invite her inside God's community. And not only inside, but dead center of this community. This is the first person Jesus tells that he is the Messiah. He doesn't tell his disciples first. He doesn't tell the religious leaders first. He tells someone who is considered to be an immoral, half-breed, traitor, and heretic who God cannot possibly love. Jesus doesn't avoid outsiders. He goes out of his way to make them part of his community. That's why the religious folk of his day didn't like Jesus. He ate with rich people who extorted taxes uh, from their fellow Jews. And he ate with prostitutes and and lepers. And worst of all, he talked to non-religious people. Religious people don't like it when you do that. Don't talk to those non-religious. They're not one of us. And so they were always trying to kill him. Jesus turned all the social conventions inside out. The outsiders, like the leper or the prostitute, were brought in, and the insiders, the good religious folk of his day, were left out. Not because Jesus didn't love them, but because they didn't want to be with the people that Jesus hung out with. And this is what Jesus calls us to do, to turn our world and our church inside out. And we do this in two ways. The first is this. Jesus calls us to invite the outsiders in. To invite the outsiders in. Jesus' church is meant to be open to everybody. Unfortunately, though, it doesn't always seem that way, especially to people who don't go to church. If you were here on Monday night during the Martin Luther King celebration we had, you'll remember that our alarm went off in the middle of worship. You know, we had all these guests from Mount Calvary and we were talking about racial reconciliation and being together. And, and then the alarm goes off and, and it's a talking alarm. Did you know that we had a talking alarm? We do. And it said, you have entered a secure area. Please leave immediately. <laughs> and I thought as a metaphor, this isn't good. <laughs> Get out of our church. Go. Now. Nobody was to blame. It was a total accident. And in a way, I sort of saw it as a gift. I 
I was thinking, oh, this is a perfect sermon illustration. Thank you, Jesus. You know, this is awesome. But fair or unfair, that is the way a lot of people view the church. If you're not one of us, please leave immediately. Whenever someone asks me what I do for a living and I kill the conversation by answering truthfully, um, I mean, it's just I'm going to start telling people I'm a lawyer instead because I think it would be better received. (laughs) Invariably, someone will say, church, I couldn't go to church. I'd be hit by lightning. Or I've even had people say, I can't go to church. I don't have the right clothes. And, you know, I can say, well, at least you don't have toothpaste on your shirt, right? So you got that going for you. Those answers break my heart. That image that church is for moral insiders, people whose lives are spotless and put together and completely perfect, you know, just like your lives are. (laughs) That's not the church. The church is not a museum to display the victorious lifestyle. It's a rehab ward for recovering sinners. The church is not a country club for the socially connected. It's a community where everyone is invited in. And the church is not a secret society complete with secret handshakes and secret rituals. Although for some it can feel that way, again, especially if you don't go to church. Most people in King County do not go to church. I know a lot of people who have never been to church in their whole life. At Stanford, I had a lot of students who didn't know what Easter is. That's how unfamiliar what we do here is to people who don't go to church. So you can imagine what it would be like if one of those people just walked in off the street to any one of our four services. I mean, they'd have a lot of questions, right? Why do these people stand and sing together? That doesn't happen anywhere in our culture except at a baseball game, right? So is this the seventh inning stretch? What's going on here? And why does the pastor talk so much? And why do they listen or at least seem to? And after the sermon, why do they pass a basket and charge money for the experience? It wasn't that great. Now, none of those things are bad to do. It's just they're unfamiliar to a lot of people and can make them feel like they're outsiders. That's why Jesus wants us to be a welcoming community that invites all kinds of people here and gives them a warm welcome when they come. And this is one of the things that you do so well. You guys are just great at this. When I was, the summer I was talking to the search committee that brought me here, I was up from California on vacation one week, and I snuck in here on a Sunday morning just to kind of check you guys out. Three different people greeted me, talked to me before the service, talked to me after the service. They were really eager to tell me about what was going on in the church, explain what was happening in the services. I mean, I thought, man, this church is amazing that these people would do. I thought they were planted by the search committee. You know, I mean, it was just that doesn't happen a lot, especially in a church this size. You guys do this almost perfectly better than any place I've ever been. You know, those people didn't know that they were greeting their next senior pastor. Right. Although they're probably now in retrospect, glad that they talked to me. Right. Well, that was a good shot there. But, but that's the character of this church. Just so inviting, so warm, so welcoming. This is also why we're starting a new service today to make more room for people to be part of us and also to offer a casual and contemporary worship environment for people for whom that's going to be the best way that they connect to Jesus. We are meant to have a big old sign hanging on our front door that says, if you're outside, you're welcome here. Everybody is welcome. We are called to invite the outsiders in. Which brings me to my second point. Because the best way we do that, the best way that we can invite the outsiders in 
is if we, the insiders, go out and serve them and show them who Jesus is. Again, most people in the Northwest don't go to church. And they have all kinds of stereotypes of who Jesus is. He's mean. He's nasty. He's boring. He's judgmental. He's irrelevant. And the only way to invite those people to get to know him is if we hand-deliver the invitation ourselves. The insiders go outside and serve and show people who Jesus really is. That's what Jesus is doing in this story of the woman at the well. Right? He, he, is, going, he is going to her. It's, the text says in order for him to get to Galilee, he had to pass through Samaria. <clears throat> Geographically speaking, that's not true. There was another route around Samaria. And, a, and pious Jews usually took it to avoid contact with Samaritans. The real reason Jesus had to go through Samaria was to get to this woman. Just like he had to come from heaven to earth to get to you and to me. Jesus went outside everything he was familiar with, outside his comfort zone, outside the temple, outside his race and class, outside his religion to reach this woman who feels excluded from God's community. And I believe this woman was converted the minute Jesus said, give me a drink. Her whole life, she had been ostracized as a prostitute. Six desperate attempts to feel loved, to feel valued, to feel included. And the result was a ruined reputation and a wrecked self-esteem. But finally, somebody reached out to her and treated her with dignity. And that changed everything. And that's what Jesus calls us to do. We who are inside the church are called to go outside the church and show people who Jesus is. Really is. Not the stereotypes. And that's what we want to do in our Jubilee year and beyond. Turn outward through acts of service that show our community the real Jesus. And those acts of service can be big or they can be small. I know a lot of us are very busy. We don't have time to add anything. But you know what? As I've said before, maybe that just means that you do what you're already doing, but with a different purpose, a different focus. You still go to work like you always do, but now you're looking for the person you can serve or show them what Jesus is really like. Another thing you could do is join us on August 13th. Bunches of us are going to go over to Stevenson Elementary and we're going to do an extreme makeover on their building. August 13th. You can come just four hours. That's all it would be. Shift in the morning, shift in the afternoon. Hundreds of you last week signed up to do all kinds of things over at Stevenson. Everything from bake cupcakes for kids for their birthday parties to tutor to help get them up in the morning. And that's awesome because when we do those things... In our offices, our neighborhoods, our schools, our homes. When we do those things, when, when, when we reach out and tutor at KidReach or at Stevenson or mentor someone from Eastside Academy, eventually, when we do those things, eventually someone is going to ask, why are you doing this? And that's when we say something like, because I follow Jesus and this is what he would do. Or whatever feels comfortable to you that would point to Jesus. And that makes the outsider who thinks that Jesus is mean or boring or irrelevant see Jesus in just a little bit different way and feel that maybe if they came here, they would be welcomed. Because I know they would be. Jesus wants to turn us inside out. The outsiders need to be invited in. And the best way to do that is if we, the insiders, go out there and show them who Jesus is. This is how God got to us, right? This is God got to us by sending his son, Jesus, God in the flesh, the second person of the Trinity, the creator of all that is. I mean, talk about being on the inside, right? That's an inside club, the Trinity. But God went outside of it and became the ultimate outsider for our sake, poor and oppressed, 
to invite us into the community of God. A good friend of mine is a retired Presbyterian pastor in California. He's in his 60s, and he has lived his entire life in the church. And every day, he and his wife go get coffee at Pete's Coffee. That's the Starbucks in the Bay Area. And they go at the same time every day, and they talk to the same two clerks every day on purpose to build relationships with them. And they found out over the course of this relationship that these two clerks love to cook. So they said, well, why don't you come on over to our house and cook us a gourmet meal? And the clerks said, that's great. So they did. Now, but you got to picture this, this scene because these clerks are women in their 20s and, and they had piercings and tattoos all over their body. Okay. And they're going over for dinner to the house of a retired Presbyterian pastor. Okay. That's a weird dinner party. That's a weird mix of people. I mean, what did these two women in their 20s say as they left to go to this party, right? We're going to go party with the Presbyterians? I mean, it's kind of this strange group of people. Well, as the dinner went on, my friend and his wife found out a whole lot more about him. Found out that both of them had struggled with drugs and alcohol addictions. And that one had run away from home because she got pregnant and her parents had kicked her out. And during the dinner, my friend's wife looked at the other woman and she said, well, you're kind of cute. How come you're not dating anyone? Which is a very direct question, but she asked it none the same. And the woman kind of stammered around and then it kind of all came out. That she had been living this life of incredible sexual promiscuity. Multiple, multiple partners in one night stands. And so when she got done telling her story, my friend's wife said, you know, this sounds like it's been a really bad deal for you. But I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And so do I. The dinner went on for hours until late in the evening. And they finally had to go. And when they did, this one woman who had this promiscuous background grabbed onto my friend's wife and hugged her and hugged her and would not let go. And she finally said, you got to understand, you're the first people that I've told this to since I've come to California. That's the inside out kingdom that Jesus is talking about. My friends, the ultimate religious insiders, retired Presbyterian pastors, right? Reaching out to people who never in a million years would imagine going to a church. And it didn't take much time. I mean, my friends were just doing what they always do every day. They always go get coffee. They just did it with a little bit different focus and a little bit different purpose to show who Jesus is. And that's what the church is meant to be and to do. This is what makes me excited about being a pastor. This this amazing vision that Jesus has for us. He didn't call the world to go to church. He called us, the church, to go to the world and invite everyone in. And to show them that his church is not a museum to display the victorious lifestyle. It is not a country club for the socially connected. It is not a secret society with secret rituals. The church is a home where everybody is invited in and everybody is welcome. It's a place where we're not all caught up in who's in and who's out, who's good and who's bad. A place where we're not posing and pretending and constantly shining the spotlight on our accomplishments. A place where we're not bound by our past or our sins or our failures, but where we treat each other as Jesus treats us. Broken, yes. Sinners, yes. But filled with potential. And we see what God saw when he sent his son to die for us. And we give people hope. That in spite of their track records, in spite of what they've accomplished or haven't accomplished, in spite of how muddy their boots are from life's journey, they are always welcome here. So where do you feel like you are outside, that you don't fit in God's community for some reason? 
because your moral record isn't spotless, neither is mine. Or because you don't feel like you fit in economically or socially or because of your marital status or your age or your job or what you wear. Jesus says that you are welcome here no matter what. And I know that we as a community believe that. And then Jesus says to us, all of us who are in here, he says, now, let's together go out there and deliver the invitation to the rest of the world that they can come as they are. There's always a place for them here. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you do take us just as we are. And then, Lord, that you help us become all that we were meant to be. And then, Lord, you invite us in this amazing adventure with you to invite all those people who feel outside of your family to come in and let them know that they're welcome too. Lord, help us to live in these truths and help them to change our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen.